We continue our rival reports with a look at the defending Pacific Division champs. That's next on Locked On LA Kings. You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Kings fans, welcome to Locked on LA Kings, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked on LA Kings your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Please like and subscribe if you're enjoying this content. My name is Eddie Garcia, your host of Locked on LA Kings. I've worked in sports media for almost 30 years, the past 20 plus years, the Fox Sports Radio Network, where I'm a co-host, sidekick reporter, NHL insider, and also co-host of the Puck Podcast, a weekly NHL review show that's been putting out content for the past 16 years, and most importantly to you, a passionate LA Kings fan for the past 30 years. And with that in mind, and we continue our look at the arrivals in the Pacific Division, we welcome in our guest today, and that is the host of Locked on Flames, Jess Belmosto. And we're going to talk about an interesting offseason for the reigning Pacific Division champs. Jess, it's great to meet you. Thank you so much for your time today. Yes, it's nice to meet you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's give a little recap uh, to the Calgary Flames briefly for people who maybe have forgotten, but they, they are, as I mentioned, the reigning Pacific Division champions last year, 50, 21, and 11 for 111 points. Uh, but this offseason has been very interesting. It did not start well. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau, your uh, leading scorer, uh, decided, I'm going to go somewhere else and uh, joined to, to the shock of many, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, that either prompted or was followed up by your second leading score, Matthew Kachuk, saying, um, I'm not going to resign here. So the Flames had no choice but to trade him. Got pretty good return, I thought, in Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weger. We'll talk more about that in a second. And then uh, the Flames were able to go out and get the top free agent forward available on the market, Nazem Kadri, who over the way just want to help the team win a Stanley Cup. So, man, uh, things started off really bad uh and then got a lot better uh but let me let me let's go back to the beginning let's go back to johnny gaudreau okay now it wasn't a, a surprise that he was thinking about weighing his options as an unrestricted free agent and he earned that right to leave if he so chose but the, what was what was the feeling there had to be hard feelings that that he ended up leaving uh and and the team didn't have a lot of options and and could he have been more clear on his intentions what are your thoughts on the whole Johnny Gaudreau leaving Calgary. Yeah, you know, I think that fans had a right to be upset at first. And I, I get it. You know, he's a fantastic player, a great human being who made, you know, an impact in Calgary and will more than likely have his number retired someday by the organization. But, you know, I think it. he said in his um, – in an interview – and I believe his uh, press conference with the Blue Jackets, that it came down to quite literally the 11th hour. And he didn't know. He, him and his wife are expecting their first child. And, you know, there were a lot of thoughts of, you know, buying a home in Calgary and, you know, more of the personal side of things rather than, I guess, the business side of things. And it's hard. It's really hard to think that him and Matthew Kachuk won't be on that first line opening night yeah i'm sure um and and let me talk talk to you about matthew kachuk because obviously he had an incredible year last year as a kings fan 
I know what he brings to the table in the, the kind of the feud he had with Drew Doughty and how that trickled through the rest of the team. And it was actually, I really enjoyed uh, that, that rivalry that the two teams had. I don't know if it's, I guess it's kind of gone now with him leaving, but how are the flames, flames going to miss that side of the game that Matthew Kachuk can bring the agitator and, and as well as being a great player. Yeah, you know, I think that's one of those things that will be sorely missed. I know uh, anytime the Flames and Kings played each other or uh, the Battle of Alberta, you knew that you were going to get some sort of, you know, chirping, a little physicality. And part of me wonders if, you know, Milan Lucic, a former King, might step up and, you know, says last year on his contract, I believe, you know, maybe he'll be a little bit of uh, a pest or maybe Nazem Kandri will go back to how, uh, you know, he used to play in Toronto, but it's definitely going to be interesting to see, you know, if there is some sort of fire underneath one of these younger players or a roster player we don't expect to kind of come in and step up into Kachuk's role. So uh, I do want to ask you, how do you feel about how I know Jonathan Huberto was a guy who was fifth in the Hart Trophy voting last year? That you're, you're you know getting a, a very good player. I know it was contingent upon signing him and to, to make that deal really work, which mm-hmm. they did. Um, but uh, how do you think Huberto and and Kadri, How do they fit in to the Flames lineup? Do you think? I think they will fit in. I think that you know Sutter knows how to get the most out of his players and he's shown that especially uh last season with the flames getting a 200 foot player out of Gaudreau which you know you can't always teach an old dog new tricks but taught Gaudreau is not old but in hockey terms you know 27 uh ancient but uh you know I think that it's he has his guy I know that you know Huberto was a great addition obviously but I know that uh Kadri is just going to be like just fit in perfectly like just cookie cutter everything Sutter is looking for now we we talked we didn't mention him by name but Brad truly your general manager uh he had a, a pretty tough hand dealt to him uh and and I'm sure there was criticism but like mm-hmm. I said I thought the return he got for for Matthew Kachuk getting uh, a guy like Jonathan Huberto and a, a great, a good defenseman in McKenzie Weger, who sometimes is kind of forgotten in this a little bit yeah. uh, was great return for a guy that uh, everyone in the NHL knew uh, wanted to be traded. Uh, and there was only a few teams that could a afford him or be uh, be teams that he wanted to play for. Uh, and then he goes out and get Nazem Kadri. I mean, what a, what a complete turnaround by Brad tree living to turn what was a disaster into something that's been, I mean, I don't know, maybe you could even argue the team's better off. I did see a graphic where they, they said they took the points of Goudreau, Kachuk and um, Monahan, and then they combined them. And then they took the points of Huberto and Kadri and Uyghur and, the, the latter trio actually had, uh, I think, one more point than, than those other guys. And those guys were amazing last year. So just just the job that, that Brad Trelewin did to turn this thing around. Yeah. You know, I think, at least in my time covering the Flames, um, it's been since uh, right before the pause, actually, back in 2020. Brad Living has uh, definitely faced a lot of criticism, warranted criticism, but I think... Uh, you know, he was able to 
I don't know, whip up some black magic in the front office. And definitely, I think he realized how, like, he finally, it was like he finally had faith in the team. He has a great coach behind the bench. He saw what the team did last year and knew that if he wants Sutter to stay and if Tree Living wants that contract extension at the end of this year, he needs to put a good team on the ice. And it was like he finally got to work. I, and I can't even imagine the fan base and, uh, you know, I don't know, sports talk radio in Calgary and those yep. types of the blogs, uh, what comments you've heard as well. Uh, I mean, we're all prisoners of the moment, I guess, but I, I, I can't rem- remember in recent history a more crazy offseason for a team that had gone from, oh, my God, this guy's falling to, hey, we're going to be fine. We're going to be just fine. Yeah. In a matter of three or four weeks, it was just like fire tree living, sell the team, everything, <laughs> like tank for Bedard yeah. to, oh, they, we might actually win the division again and it was you know I do think that some of the criticism from this summer was warranted for Brad Tree Living but not as harsh as people were coming at him it was just you know the typical armchair GMs thinking that oh I could have persuaded Matthew Kachuk into wanting to stay in Calgary or I could have done a better job with uh the Goudreau negotiations and it's just like no I'm sorry you're on Facebook that's not you're not remotely close but I'm I'm very excited to see what else he can put together and I don't think there's too many holes left now (laughs) there's definitely less question marks but it's uh it's been a summer summer of Brad for sure now, I don't know if it's been lost in all this, but I guess kind of taking a back seat is the Sean Monahan situation. I mean, this was a guy that was at, at one time a very important player to the Flames, a very productive player. Obviously, there's been injuries. The production has fallen off, and he gets shipped out of Calgary to Montreal along with a first-round pick to make room uh, for Nazem Kadre. And I know you've had an episode about kind of a, I don't know, retrospective a little bit on Sean Monahan's career mm-hmm. in Calgary. He's kind of saying goodbye um, it didn't end the way I'm sure uh, a lot of people would have wanted it to, but you know, that's, that's the business of hockey, but just your thoughts on, on Sean Monaghan, I guess his time in Calgary and and that whole thing of having to give up a, a pick to get somebody to take him. Yeah. You know, I, I would hate to call him a liability to the team or uh, just eating up cap space, but his unfortunate uh, end in Calgary was just just plagued with injuries and just becoming a liability. And he was healthy scratched for the first time in his career last year before ending up uh, needing season ending surgery. And it's just, and it's not like it's little injuries here and there. They were pretty significant for someone who's only 27, 28 years old. And um, unfortunately, you know, he was the second to last core piece uh, um, in Calgary. It's just Michael Backlund left now, I believe. And it's, it's bittersweet because, you know, he meant so much to the community and to fans and it's just an unfortunate part of hockey. And I'm, I'm glad that he's going to Montreal. Uh, it's, I, he stays in Canada, but I'm just, I'm grateful that, uh, Kent Hughes wanted to get to work there. So the flames could bring on Kadri. 
We're going to have more with Locked on Flames host Jess Belmosto in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about a product I use every day. It's called AG1. And when you get to be over 50, which I am, uh, you need a little bit more energy sometime. With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality minerals, vitamins, whole foods, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and antigens to help start your day right. A special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. AG1 contains less than a gram of sugar and costs you less than $3 a day. Uh, Athletic Greens is over 7,000 five-star reviews is even recommended by professional athletes. Now's your time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop and a cup of water every day, and that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up your ultimate daily nutrition nutritional insurance we continue with locked on flames host jess balmasto and obviously uh, i and a lot of kings fans are very familiar with daryl sutter and we are eternally grateful for him helping to lead the la kings to their first two stanley cups but i will have to admit when the flames hired him i was not sure about that hire i mean he is an old school guy does he fit in today's nhl well uh, clearly, the answer is yes. Uh, there are some <laughs> things that I guess are timeless about coaching, uh, and uh, maybe he's not quite as old school as, as I had thought he was because the Flames fit right into the new NHL and scored a lot of goals. We're still great <laughs> defensively. Uh, your thoughts on on Daryl Sutter and, as the head coach of the Flames? Yeah, you know, I remember seeing the news that they had fired Jeff Ward at 1 o'clock in the morning after they had beat Ottawa, and then – Immediately, it was announced that they were bringing in Daryl Sutter, and I was like, "Oh, oh okay. Um, I, I guess we're just gonna do this whole. I don't know what energy and identity we're going for with this team vibe again, because I wasn't sure if this team would be responsive to a coach like Daryl Sutter, and I'm happily eating crow now because he was able to." obviously get the flames to a playoff spot and give them an identity, which was something they were sorely lacking. And it's great to see, you know, your team go out there and start to look like a hockey team again, and not just a beer league unconditioned and just out of shape, slow team. They just, he was able to get them back on track and it didn't take too long. Let me ask you a question a little bit off the board here. Um, You know, Daryl was sometimes a very prickly guy to deal with here in Los Angeles. There were times when it just felt like if you asked him a question, you were wasting his time. Uh, He's not the most media friendly guy in the world. Um, But there were moments where you saw him in a different light. And I remember after they won the Stanley Cup and his son, Chris, coming down on the ice and him giving him a big hug. And we loved Chris Sutter so much here in L.A., they were put. They put him on the on the jumbotron, and he would do his dancing and everything. Has he taken his talents to Calgary and and uh, still doing his thing up there? If, if people that don't know, yeah. and you should know, Chris is a special needs young man and just an awesome, awesome person. Uh, how, is he still doing his thing up there in Calgary? Yeah, all through the playoffs, <laughs> he was on the jumbotron. Uh, I know that he actually went down to the uh, to Los Angeles or wherever they had the ten year reunion for the L.A. Kings. Right. Um, championship and I was just like this is fantastic I love 
how integrated he is in the hockey community and how special Daryl, you know, makes him and he just makes him a part of the team. And I think it's great. And it's there are definitely those softer moments. And I believe it was um, a video had he Sutter had done an interview with Flames TV and he just talked about Chris for Chris's birthday. And it was it was that exact 180 of typical media availability Sutter and just nice to see him soft. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. You, uh, I remember seeing him, like I said, on the ice with Chris and it was like, oh, this isn't that gruff coach anymore. It's just the dad celebrating yep. with his son. And I was, I was like, okay, all right. I'm seeing a little yep. bit of different uh, Daryl Sutter there. Uh, obviously, as I mentioned, the, the Flames uh, are one of the best teams in the Pacific Division last year. And, and with the additions, they certainly should be there as well. Um, and I know that Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberto, that's going to get headlines, understandably so. But the Flames were uh, the best team in the Western Conference last year at, allow, at not allowing goals. Uh, they only allowed 208 goals last year. Again, that's best in the Western Conference. So we talk about the offense, but ultimately, uh, I think, and Daryl Sutter is certainly a part of this, is it the defense, which is really what will carry the Flames to where they go this coming season? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that their defense is slightly underrated and maybe underappreciated uh throughout the league um you know they have a lot of young guys on that defense Noah Hannafin has been in the league for quite some time but he's only 25 years old uh Rasmus Anderson 24 25 years old as well you know you're bringing in Uyghur Chris Tanev has been just a game changer for this defense to have a true mentor and uh when it comes to grit and you know all the great characteristics that a hockey defenseman can bring. And Oliver Shillington as well has been really great. And uh, last season he was the best like paid for value player in the uh, NHL or on the flames rather. So it was definitely nice to see this defense come together the way that it has. And obviously, goaltending is a big part of that. Uh, Jacob Markstrom is certainly solid in net. I think he's the best goalie in the Pacific Division, one of the best goalies in the West, maybe one of the best goalies in the NHL. What are your thoughts on on where Jacob Markstrom kind of ranks? Because he, he is kind of, I don't want to say he's stuck in Calgary up there, but he I don't know. He seems like he's a little bit overlooked, perhaps, when you're talking about the better goalies in the NHL. Yeah, definitely. That's just part of, I feel like, being in the Calgary market. Uh I think there was there were plenty of players on the Flames this year that weren't getting the national recognition that players in larger markets were getting. And Markstrom is certainly one of those. He started a career-high 63 games, ended the season uh, with a Vesna nomination, and just played his heart out. I think that Daryl Sutter's downfall here is riding a goalie into the ground. There were games where he started late in the season against Arizona and just non-playoff contending teams that didn't make sense to anyone. And I think that showed towards the play towards the playoffs, and especially in the second round, where he just kind of fell flat and didn't show up to the occasion. Um, so let's wrap it up with the the ultimate question or questions. Uh, number one. Uh, where do you think the Flames finish? I know we had a locked-on NHL hosts poll recently in which the Flames were selected to finish second. 
uh, in the Pacific behind Edmondson uh, and, and in front of Los Angeles. Um, so where do you, where, I don't know where, if you got to vote in that poll, where did you vote them? Where do you think they'll finish? And overall about the Pacific division, um, do we get more than three teams in this year? And who do you think are the contenders and maybe the pretenders? Yeah. So I had the flames in, in second place and this was before the cadre acquisition mm-hmm. and uh, I'm still going to ride with them at second. I, you know, I'm okay with them there just because I think the expectations have to be manageable because if they're not, there's a whole lot of room for disappointment and just negativity that doesn't need to be there. But that's the world of sports. Um, I definitely think we're going to see Edmonton come out on top. Uh, the Flames, I would love to see the Kings um, find their way back into like true playoff contention again. I know last year they took Edmonton to seven games, and that's that is impressive for the young team that they are and kind of where they are in the rebuild. And, you know, I would say maybe the Ducks, maybe the Ducks in fourth. Oh, you got a surprise uh, there. Yeah. They're, they're definitely rebuilding. We'll see if uh, yeah. Trevor Zegers and, uh, and company can, uh, can, can get it going. Do you think though it's still three? I mean, a lot of people say the Pacific is the weakest of the four. You think it's still just three? I think it's going to be three. Um, I know that people really overlook the Pacific and consider it, you know, the weakest division, the most boring division. But I think that it's really fun to cover because there's a lot of talent here and there's just, there's something about it that just, I feel like everyone is just grinding for that spot. And there, it just feels like a bunch of little underdogs trying to make their splash. Well, except for Vegas. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, no, Vegas is. I don't, <laughs> I don't even know. I, I, it's it's been funny. Everybody I've talked to, uh, I, I, I even titled. I talked to the Vegas guys, and I entitled it "Everyone Hates Vegas" was the title of it, and it it's, uh, seems appropriate, right? Yeah. No one's and- no one's crying a lot of tears in the Pacific over the, uh, the, the what's going on with Vegas right now. No, like when they uh, missed the playoffs last year. I think yeah. most of us were kind of throwing a party and just kind of saying, thank goodness it's time for everyone else to kind of have their moment. Yeah. They, they've had a lot of success there and good for them. But um, like I said, no one's really crying over them. Uh, yeah, exactly. Them maybe sliding a little bit in the standings. Yeah. Hey Jess, it was awesome to meet you. It was great to get your insight on the Calgary flames. And like I said, you've had a, certainly a lot to talk about. Uh, on your on your show uh, all the best of luck with locked on flames and i'm sure we'll get a chance to talk uh, at some point uh, during the season as well yes it's been a pleasure chatting with you very nice to meet you and you know i hope the kings i know i'm not supposed to have favorites or root for anyone but i really pulling for the kings this year well so are we uh, yeah. i think it's i think it might be a little bit tougher than some people think but it, there should be a lot of very interesting important games especially amongst uh, Pacific Division rivals as well. So uh, again, good good luck with the podcast and uh, and we'll talk to you down the road. Yes. All right. Thanks, Jess. Thank you. Hey, just a reminder that the Locked On NHL podcast has you covered for all your league-wide NHL talk with a rotating cast of local hosts from the Locked On NHL channel, breaking down the biggest salary, uh, stories uh, in hockey five days a week, maybe salaries too. Uh, subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube. 
Do want to remind you real quick to keep up to date with this show and what's going on with the LA Kings. Follow us on Twitter. We're at Locked on LA Kings. If you'd like to send me an email with any thoughts on anything that I talk about or what's going on with the Kings, the email address is LockedOnEddy at gmail.com, E-D-D-I-E, LockedOnEddy at gmail.com. Uh, thanks for making Locked on LA Kings your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked on NHL. Local Locked on experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast of all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date with everything in hockey. Locked on NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. Again, thank you so much for watching, and thanks to Jess for being our guest this week, uh, for watching and listening to Locked on LA Kings. I'm Eddie Garcia reminding you, as always, go Kings go.